Good morning, everybody. Feeling a little joy here this morning? I hope so. So glad that you're here. My name is Alan. Merry Christmas to you all. And uh, do, you, do you enjoy the set here that, that, that these guys created? They did a pretty great job. It's pretty fun. So this is going to be part of our Christmas Eve celebrations. Hopefully you can be here to enjoy it yourself and to uh, serve at a service on the front end or the back end of the time that you attend. Also, I hope you take the opportunity to invite someone that you know, family, friend, neighbor, coworker, whatever. People are never offended, from my experience, when you invite them to something that you find meaningful. And so uh, hopefully this could be an opportunity for someone you know about to get a new level of access to this miraculous, incredible uh, story uh, that we celebrate around Christmas. Now, before I jump into that, I want to let you know and perhaps remind you a little bit of a new ministry that we have here called One of the Twelve. Uh, I did an informational meeting on this last Sunday, and 15 people showed up, but I know that more of you would love this. I know that more of you are in a place where you want to go grow deeper in your relationship with Christ and you are, you've been longing for something like this. If you want to get in shape, if you want to get fit, you can do that on your own. There are many ways to do that. Many people have done that. Millions of people have done that. But a great way to get in shape is to get a coach and to get a plan and, and to walk that through. You're going to do better with that in 2020 if you have a plan. It's the same way if you want to get spiritually fit, that you can do it on your own. We can do that on our own, but there's tremendous benefit to being a part of a plan. That's what one of the 12 is. It's something we've been working on for a few years, and it is a three-year journey that captures the the essential elements of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's a three-year journey broken up into six 18-week pieces, and you can just do one of those 18-week pieces if you want, but we hope that you would at least consider it. The idea is that we don't want to just look at Jesus as one of the thousands watching Jesus from far away and seeing a glimpse of him. What, could you imagine what it would be like to be one of the 12, to be that close to Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus where you know him that well? And that's the goal of this, uh, this idea, one of the 12. If you have any more questions about it, you can email me. You can come talk to me after the service, or we have a, bro- a, a brochure on the white table in the lobby, or you can go to mountainpark.org forward slash O-O-T-T. Now, what we're talking about this morning is joy. We're celebrating the miracle of Christmas, and we're talking specifically about Joy, and many of us here in this room, we have different levels of joy. Perhaps this morning, you are at a high joy place. You're, you're smiling, and it's Christmas time, and families around you sitting with you, and it's all just, you're just filled with joy. And you're wearing your Christmas sweater, even though it's not ugly Christmas sweater Sunday, but you're still wearing that sweater. And, and you enjoy listening to all sorts of songs on the radio, even Mariah Carey songs. You even like those songs. You're so much joy for you with the Christmas experience. If that's you, fantastic. We hope that our celebration here this morning and on Tuesday is it just kind of stirs up the joy that is there. But perhaps this is not the most joy-filled Christmas season for you so far. Maybe you, you would like to be here, but you're more here. Or maybe you're more here somewhere this morning as you encounter this season. Maybe, just maybe, God 
will step in and do the impossible and give you access to joy you never thought you could have this year. That's our hope this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, I do, I do pray that, that joy would, your joy would fill this room, that we would, we would be surprised by your joy, that we would just, as we set aside this hour in a busy lifetime, busy season, busy lives, that we, as we set aside this hour, that we can encounter you, God, that we would, would embrace the joy that you have for us. We want to hear from you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, this is a, an, obviously an exciting season. This is a big weekend, particularly for those of us who are Star Wars fans. Okay. See, this is, this is as you hopefully know, the, the, the opening weekend of the final movie in a saga story that has, that has gone over 40 years. How many of you have seen the movie? All right. All four of us had a great time uh, so far <laughs> seeing the movie. How many of you don't really give a rip about Star Wars? Don't give. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shorten up this intro because uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't quite expecting all that. So Star Wars is just so fascinating. But, but you see, the power of Star Wars, for, for all four of us who, who are interested in Star Wars, the power of it is not the movies itself. It's not any one movie. It's not, it's not even the series of movies. The power of Star Wars, unlike any other series of movies, is its longevity. It's the, it's the memories that are connected to, to the movie. You watch Star Wars and you see C-3PO or R2-D2 come up on the screen and it just connects you with literally decades of a story. Many of us here in this room, we've gone to Star Wars movies with our parents, with our friends, as a date, with our kids, and memories are created over time. Even with the terrible movies, episodes one, two, and three, we still have memories of going and having our opinions about those movies. That, that, that Star Wars is so much a, a journey of, 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 uh, of memories. I remember going to The Empire Strikes Back as a kid with my dad. We went to the theater in downtown Edmonton. And this was back in the, you know, in the, in, in the good old days. I hate that I'm old enough to use a phrase like good old days. But, but this was back in the day when uh, the theater only had one screen right? So, so the Empire Strikes Back was playing, and you had to wait for hours in line outside through the whole movie while they poured out so that you could go in and watch the movie. And then when you got in there, you walked around, and, and your, your feet would go quick, 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 because all the dried soda on the floor. I mean, this is, this is the good old days. So, so, but I remember going to that movie. I remember seeing Empire Strikes Back. I remember walking out of the theater and, have, and, and having a conversation with my dad about what we just saw. I, rem I remember specifically talking about the scene where Han Solo takes the lightsaber and cuts open the Tauntaun, who, who phrases to, have I lost you a long time ago? <laughs> he opens up the Tauntaun on the, on the frozen planet Hoth. By the way, do you know what the temperature was inside the Tauntaun? Lukewarm. Okay. Well, four of us were together on that one, but... Anyway, okay, I'm moving on from Star Wars. But the power of Star Wars is not just the moment, it's not just a movie, it's the memory that's connected with it. And that's what makes Christmas 
Such an incredible season. Because whenever we enter into December, whenever we start to have the Christmas experiences, it's not just about the decorations or that song or the, uh, the, uh, the food that we're eating. Every Christmas that we enter into is connected to previous Christmases. That we come in and Christmas is filled with memories. And that's what makes Christmas just so deep and so wonderful for most of us. You, you, you've likely had some rough Christmases. This may be a rough Christmas for you, but I'm confident you can think of a great Christmas memory. At some point, some year, somewhere along the line, there was a great Christmas memory for you. I'm confident in that. I remember a Christmas about the age that I went to see Empire Strikes Back. I mean, it was a good season of life. I remember... That, that, so I'm the youngest of three brothers, and I remember one Christmas morning that all the presents were done, and, and then dad says, oops, there's one more. Every kid loves it when their dad does that. When the dad does the oops, there's one more, because that means we have to go downstairs or in the garage or outside, because it's a present that's too big to fit under the tree. And when you're a kid, bigger is better. So this was very exciting. Dad says, oops, there's one more. And so we all went downstairs, to discover that dad had used a room we never went into down in the basement, and he used plywood to create a, sh a, a shelf in the shape of a, a shape of a U, a large shelf in this room, and he bought five large AFX track sets. If any of you remember these, these racing car sets. He bought five large sets, and on, these, on this plywood, he created a custom track of four lanes, one for my dad, for me, and, and my two brothers, four lanes that went all and separated, and did, but they were exactly the same length, total length as they went around and went over, and then had a start and a finish line, one for each of the four of us. It was amazing. It was, an, it was an AFX Christmas miracle that year. It was incredible. I remember that. And, I, I, and, and it wasn't just the moment, because my dad put so much work into that. And I remember it year after year after year because of the love that my dad showed us through, through this gift that, that he chose to do for us. Christmases are not just about, about that one isolated moment. Christmases are all connected so what brings you more joy as you think about your favorite Christmas mess, uh, memory or some great Christmas memory? What brings you more joy? The moment or the memory of the moment? I want to come back to that later. What I want to do now is look at this incredible, miraculous story found in Luke chapter 2. Don Doe, last week, he got started with Luke chapter 1 and looked at the miraculous story of the birth of John the Baptist. It's a less familiar story, but Elizabeth, as you recall from last week, was in her late 80s when she got pregnant with John the Baptist. Think of someone, of a woman that you know who is in her 80s or close to her 80s. Think of a woman that you know, grandparent, parent, person sitting next to you. And now imagine that person pregnant. That, that'll have some airtime at the salon, I'm telling you. That, that is, that's an incredible thing. That was the story we looked at, at last week. The whole thing is just filled with miracles. So we're going to go into Luke chapter 2 now. And I'm going to ask you to do something that I don't typically ask you to do. I, I see some of you opened up your Bibles and brought your Bibles, which is awesome. I highly encourage you, bring your Bible to church. It's a way to connect this scripture that you have access to all week 
to connect it with what we're doing together on Sunday mornings. Great, please bring your Bible. But today, just set it aside. Just close your Bible because I want to do something different with you. This story in Luke chapter two is, is familiar to most of us, so familiar that I want to go through it looking at the screen together with blanks. And I invite you to fill in the blanks. You can just say them quietly in your head, or you can say them out loud as we do this together. Okay, you don't need to read the whole thing. Just, just I'll read it, and then you fill in the blanks if you feel led. All right, see how we do. Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, aren't you glad I didn't underline Quirinius, was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, you should be a little quieter on some of these, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, good, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary. We really should get that one. That should be, that's okay. Uh, Who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. That's That's an easy one. Because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want to take a look at this last blank here. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary was there. She she didn't just see it. She was in the middle of it. She was in the middle of this world-changing story. And she wanted to make sure that she never forgot it. 
So she treasured this moment. She didn't just talk about how, you know, how great this moment was for her. She treasured it. She says, I want to keep this for later. She does this again later on in the same chapter, Luke chapter 2. We find a unique story, the only story in the Gospels where Jesus is a boy. He's 12 years old. And the family goes from Nazareth down to Jerusalem, to the temple in Jerusalem. And they're spending some time there, and they're on their way back as a convoy. There's a whole group of them. And Mary, we don't have the exact conversation, but likely said to Joseph, so where's Jesus? And Joseph said, I thought he was with you. And you could just imagine how that interaction went, you know, for her saying, I asked you to do one thing, one thing. Just, just keep track of the Messiah. That's all you had to do. And so, and so you could just see how all that goes. But, but they had to go back to Jerusalem to find Jesus in the temple. And then in verses 49 through 51 there in Luke chapter 2, why were you searching for me, Jesus asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't, under, didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. There's that same phrase. She treasured these things in her heart. I have to wonder, when Mary stood at the foot of the cross years later, and watched her innocent, amazing, perfect son die on the cross, did she remember the shepherds kneeling down when he was a baby boy? Did she remember Jesus when he was 12 years old, astonishing the other priests in the temple? I I believe that she did. I, I believe that she treasured those things in her heart to carry her through those moments that she had to endure later on. See, joy is not just an isolated event. Joy is not not one standalone moment. Joy is a memory that we revisit over and over and over again. It's not limited to the moment. It flows way beyond the moment through the memory of the joy, the grace, the love that God showed us through whatever that moment of joy was. We we have three simple phrases that we use around here to help us give language around what we do. Jan had talked about our mission statement to, to realize our role in God's story. And we accomplish that through three things. We call them the make us. Make a memory, make a friend, Make a difference. Just backing up from those, make a difference. When you leave these doors on the left side, there's a room there that is called the Make a Difference Center. And it's a reminder for all of us, whenever we come or go or hanging out in the lobby, that we look over at that room, it's a reminder that we are not just here for ourselves, that we are here to make a difference here in this city and around the world. We're also here to make a friend, that we gather here in this space We share this time together. We do classes together, groups together. We do life together because we need one another. We we can learn everything online. We can read books. We can get all of the information. But what we need is to look into each other's eyes. We need to actually be with one another, knee to knee, toe to toe, talking, engaging, becoming friends, hugging one another, praying for one another. We need one another. We're here to make friend. 
And then the first one I mentioned is that we're, we're here to make a memory. That, that a healthy relationship with God is one that is continuing to develop memories with our Father in heaven. A healthy relationship is when we continue to add and grow memories onto one another. We don't just have one memory from the past when we came to faith, but it's an ongoing journey of making memories with our Father in heaven. That's why we celebrate the miracles of the Old Testament. This ancient writing 2,000 plus years ago, many, many, many years ago. But that's why we have these miracles from the Old Testament story. That's why God, when he freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, that he, he sent them to the edge of the Red Sea and Moses put his staff on the ground and the water parted and they walked across the Red Sea with the waters parted. And the people of God, the Israelites celebrated, they sang about that for centuries and centuries and centuries. They sang, his love endures forever. God did that. That's why God did those miracles, for the memories of the people who followed him. That's why God chose David among all Jesse's sons to be the new king. David was the youngest and the smallest, and yet it would be that David who takes a slingshot and kills Goliath because God wanted a memory to be made among his people. That's why God took Daniel and allowed him to survive in the den with the hungry lions. All the miracles that we read in the Old Testament is so that memories could be made, so we could pile them on top of one another. Make a memory, treasure them in your heart, and access them many, many, many years later because his love endures forever. His love endures forever. That's what Mary's doing here in this story. She ha she's in the middle of this incredible story and she wants to make a memory with God. She treasures it in her heart. And that's why you and I get incredible gifts from God at times. That's why you and I get to experience tiny and large miracles in our lives, not just for the moment, not just to get what we want in the moment, but so that we can have, a, we can create a memory with that God. It's not about the pleasure limited to that moment. It's about the joy that comes from that memory over and over and over again so that our relationship with God is connected with us being able to say, his love endures forever. God did that thousands of years ago. God did that 10 years ago. God did that three months ago. It is about God's faithfulness over and over and over. That's the purpose of miracles. That's, that's why we experience them. The word miracle in the New Testament is an interesting word. The, word, the, the Greek word for miracle is the word semion. I wanna look back at verse 12 from what we read here. And the second blank from, from what we went through in the middle of Luke chapter two here, this will be a blank to you. Do you remember what that blank was? A sign. This will be a sign to you. That blank is the word semion. The word sign is the same as the word miracle in Greek. It's the same word. A miracle is a sign. Any of you remember driving on a dirt road, looking for a place out in the middle of nowhere? You're looking for a home, you're going to a party, going to a wedding, going to some kind of event, and you're driving and you're looking because you want to turn left on Old Canyon Road. 
And so you're driving, you're driving. Now, cell phones take a lot of the mystery out of a moment like that because you know it's coming. You can figure all that out. But, but back in the day, you, you, you come up and you're looking for Old Canyon Road and you don't know how far it is. You don't know if Old Canyon Road is another five miles ahead of you and you have a long way to go or if you're five miles past Old Canyon Road. Do you turn around? Do you keep on going? Do you ever remember an experience like that? What joy do you experience when you're driving and you see the sign, Old Canyon Road, I'm here, I didn't miss it, I'm gonna be okay. I've had those experiences, but whenever that's happened, I've never pulled the car over, gotten out of the car, and, and gave the sign a hug. I've never done that. I've never just thought, the sign, this is so amazing, I've never taken a selfie with the sign. I've never taken a because because the sign is not the point. We're, we, can, we celebrate the sign, we celebrate. It's a great thing to see the sign, but the sign is not the point. The sign is directing us to the point. The sign is helping us get to the thing. The sign is not the thing. And it's a similar thing in terms of the miracles that God allows us to have access to, that, that the miracle itself is not the thing. The, the, the experience that we, that we have that we might call a miracle, a little or a grand miracle, that it's not the thing. It is a sign and its purpose is to point us to the one who provided the miracle in the first place. Its purpose is to direct us. It is a sign. It is a semion to direct us to the one who provides joy and love and peace and mercy and grace on a regular basis. So, I've been talking about joy here specifically though. Joy is not just about the moment. It's the ongoing memory of those moments that we get to experience and tap into over and over and over again. So once again, if this is a joyful Christmas for you, if you have experienced a miracle somehow this Christmas. Maybe there's been a miracle of health for you or someone that you care about and something wonderful has happened this season, this year, and you are, you are, you've been smiling all morning. It's just been just a great season or there's been a miracle in terms of a significant relationship, a restored marriage, a restored relationship with a brother or sister or a parent. Fantastic, maybe school or work has been going great. Fantastic. Treasure that in your heart. That is a miracle, it is a gift from God, it is a moment from God. Take it, enjoy it, keep smiling. But if this is a low joy Christmas, if this is a low joy season for you, and there's no miracle in terms of your health or someone that you care about. You're waiting for it, you're praying for it, but it's not there. Or maybe there is no miracle in terms of a significant relationship even though you've been praying for it. School or work is not going well. You can tap into the joy of previous moments. You can tap into the joy because it's not dead. It continues. It's what allows us to sing. His love endures forever. You can tap into the joy of perhaps last Christmas or the Christmas before or 10 years before. And if your joy is struggling so much, you can't even find a Christmas from which to draw joy, you can go 2,000 years back. 
Go all the way back to the joy where Mary was in the center point of this miraculous story and she treasured it in her heart. You can go all the way back to that and draw from the joy of that. We sing the song, Joy to the World, The Lord Has Come. That song is not just about the joy that came that moment 2,000 years ago. It's not limited. We get to continue singing that song over and over again because the joy that flows from that moment flows year after year after year. We continue to sing joy to the world. Even though my life is really tough right now, there's joy to the world because of the faithfulness of a God many, many years ago. There continues to be joy to the world. So let me, let me revisit the question I asked at the beginning. What brings you more joy, the moment or the memory of the moment? I think sometimes we get caught up in expecting moments all the time. That we, we just want moments. We love moments. Of course we do. We love miracles. We love those moments with one another, with God, with its, we love those moments. But then we continue to want more and more and bigger and better and faster and stronger and more and more and more. And then the problem with that is that we get discouraged when we have a, a season with no miracles, a season with no moments, and we just think, okay, well, God has abandoned me. But that's, 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 not, that's not the expectation, that we don't keep all of this stuff. That we, don't, we don't get to have moment after moment after moment after moment. Mary had this moment, and she treasured it in her heart. And so what we get to do, instead of con- just waiting for more moments, is we can enjoy the moments when they come, and we soak up the joy from memories of previous moments. If you're low on joy this Christmas, maybe... Maybe you can do that. Maybe this year is, you know, make a memory. Make a memory with your friends, with family, with your Father in heaven. Make a memory with God. There's an ongoing journey that we continue to make memories, and hopefully that'll happen for you. But if it doesn't, you can draw from the joy of previous moments by treasuring them in your heart, and, and, and soaking up that joy from previous love and joy and peace and hope that God has given us. There's a miracle in that that I hope you experience this year. The band's gonna come out and lead us in one final song, a song of joy. And as, as, the, as we sing that together, I'd love to, to pray with you. Would, you. would you stand? We'll pray and then we'll sing one final song together here this morning. Would you bow your heads? Father in heaven, I I thank you for your joy. And I pray, Father, that you would step in and do the impossible here today. For any here in this room who just feel like joy is not not possible this year, God, would you come in and, and, and bring a miracle? Bring a moment or connect us with a memory of your faithfulness. Connect us with the joy of who you are and what you've done in the past. The joy of your story. God, that we would, we would experience that, not just read about it, but we would experience that. We would experience real joy right now. Not fake joy, 
not somebody else's joy, real joy by tapping into the moments that you have given us. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, amen.